Did you ever think being a woman who wanted it all would be so hard? I'm Nicole Colantoni, your host of Single at 30, and I didn't either. That's why my guests and I are unveiling the issues and challenging the norms of modern womanhood with the intention of exploring and publicly airing the uncomfortable and the unspoken. No topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions that most people are too ashamed to ask. Welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together. So, are you in? If you believe in what you're doing, if you know that you're doing things for the right reasons, if you can look in the mirror in the morning and be 100% okay with how you walk your talk, then it's the others who've got a problem, not you. Our guest today grew up in Warsaw, Poland, where at just 16 years of age, she was spotted by a casting agent on her way to school. She went on to become a teen model, study law, speak five languages, star in over 25 international movies, all with leading parts, and live in eight countries around the world before calling Australia home. She now lives in Perth, Western Australia, and is not only a celebrity, but also a philanthropist with a mission to create awareness and inspire action about issues that most people aren't brave enough to discuss including mental health, youth health, and domestic violence. She is the founder and CEO of Momentum Forum Events, which creates signature events in support of worthy causes, among which include International Women's Day Luncheon in support of prevention against violence in women, the Men in Black Ball in support of men's mental health, and Pink Ribbon Ball in support of breast cancer research. In 2013, she launched the Kiss Violence Against Women Goodbye campaign, which creates awareness about domestic violence and educates victims to speak out and seek help. The campaign now has the support of high-profile politicians, business community leaders, celebrities and victims of domestic violence and social media trolls. She is now also the host of the Hello Darling talk show, which she created to encourage others to never give up and always follow their dreams. On the show, she introduces true stories from inspiring people from all over the world who have persisted against great odds, overcome adversity, made a difference to their community, and want to give others the confidence to do the same by sharing their journey. They include authors, entrepreneurs, sporting champions, fashion icons, celebrities, as well as survivors and unsung heroes. On top of this, she is also a devoted wife and mother who is well-versed when it comes to the realities of balancing both work and family life. Together, we discuss the pressures and stigmas surrounding what it means to be a modern woman, including the expectation to appear perfect all the time. We explore why now, more than ever, these pressures are higher for women and the impact they are having on the health and well-being of women in our society. We also talk about the importance of not only knowing how to shake it off in life, but also embracing our differences and innate individuality, recognizing that there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to having it all. Her life story and career as a social game changer epitomizes what it means to be a modern woman, and I'm so excited to have her on this episode, How to Shake It Off and Forge Your Own Unique Path in Life. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you today the daring and delightful Barbara McNaught. Barbara, it is such a pleasure to have you on Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman. Thank you, Nicole, for inviting me and having me on your podcast. Thank you. So welcome. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me a bit about your upbringing. Well, I'm born Polish. I was born in Poland. I had a very beautiful childhood. I grew up in Warsaw. And then once I was growing up, the journey took me around the world. I was uh, growing up in Warsaw. 
until I finished my studying and started conquering and traveling the world. Yeah, so it's my understanding that you studied law, is that correct? That's correct. I studied law at Warsaw Beautiful University. And what sort of lawyer did you want to uh, become? Uh, well, I was studying international law. Okay, so how do you go from studying international law to then becoming an international actress? Yes, it's quite uh, quite a jump. However, it just it just happened um, almost um, organically. I was at the time when I was studying. I was also modeling, and I was actually very. Um, successful photo model um, featured in many, many magazines. I was talent spotted one day. I was invited to a casting for a leading part in a movie. And the rest is a history. I got the part in a first international movie. I was extremely dedicated and happy to do what I was doing. That's amazing. It's like destiny. I have to admit that I actually did, when I was researching you, I saw some of your cover photos uh, on the magazines. And yeah, they were extraordinary, beyond beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's quite an amazing journey because I acted in many, many countries. I acted in many, many languages. I speak now five languages. However, I was getting leading parts before I learned the language. Wow. Because I was wanted so much. So I learned the parts in some of the movies phonetically. And when the crew was coming to speak to me, for example, French, I'm referring to my movie, which was called La Fiancée qui vient de Foix, which was shot in Paris. And when the crew came and spoke to me French, I had to answer, I'm just with Zola. I'm sorry, I don't speak French. They said, but of course you do. I go, that's just my part. Then <laughs> I... <laughs> I did the same in German. I did the same in few languages. Yes, it's pretty unusual. Mm. That is literally the definition of fake it until you make it. <laughs> well, I didn't even have to fake it, but yes, the, the phrase actually applies. I was just extremely brave. And obviously the parts that I was um, playing uh, welcomed and allowed an accent because, of course, I didn't speak French sounding French. I spoke French in a part where yeah. I was supposed to be foreign. The same, and then the parts were written for me, and then I always had accent in every language I spoke. Mm. That is such an incredible journey. So, how did you deal with the pressures of being a woman in the spotlight? Well, Nicole, honestly, I never ever regarded it as a pressure. It it was just a part of uh, doing what I was doing. I was um, in a spotlight for the right reasons and like I'm saying one doesn't come with a, without another in a way if you're successful of course you can be all your life stage actress very good one and don't have a, a lot of publicity around however I somehow created the headlines that's true all my life as I'm thinking now back but obviously you know the way you look is such a big part of the role was that ever stressful for you or a cause for concern or unfolded very naturally for you? Well, of course, being uh, attractive, being uh, regarded very good looking, being out there with your looks has a lot of, lot of uh, 
pluses, but of course has also minuses, like every kind of a um, of extreme situation. Yes, of course, you, you have a lot of advantages, but you deal along the line with um, jealousy, with uh, people being um, envious and uh, using this for their own not very noble purposes. That's, again, today, looking back, part of a, part of a journey, part of a package. You can't have one without another. Of course, but how did you deal with that jealousy? You know, Nicole, you actually have to look over it and continue doing what you're doing. Luckily, I have such a passion and always had for what I'm doing. And luckily, I'm so busy with what I'm doing uh, that I don't have much time and didn't have much time to, to you know, to, 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 to give it a lot of attention. You just have to, yeah. you know, you just have to shake it off and mm -hmm. understand that the more uh, supporters and fans you have, the more enemies you will have as well at certain stage. Of course. So focusing on the positive rather than the negative aspects Absolutely. of your job. As one of my beautiful guests on my show recently said, success is my biggest revenge and is my best revenge. Absolutely. I think I actually watched that episode. Yeah. So you know whom I'm... <laughs> it's an excellent line. That's right. Yeah. Whom yeah. I'm referring to and whom I maybe will speak about it a little bit later. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'd love you to. Yeah. So it just sounds like you just developed really thick skin the more you focused on the work you were doing. It's, it's, you can call it thick skin. Thick skin is necessary, but also right perspective. If you believe in what you're doing... If you know that you're doing things for the right reasons, if you can look in the mirror in the morning and be 100% okay with how you walk your talk, then it's the others who've got a problem, not you. It's so true. So does being in the spotlight get easier the older you get? Uh, do the pressures change and evolve? I mean, you've said that you, you've never really considered them pressures, but do the expectations change and evolve? Uh, I tell you when I get older, because my plan is not to, Nicole, <laughs> joke, <laughs> joke, joke by the side. Um, yes and no. Um, the only maybe difficulty I find is when so-called media is owned by one body when the monopoly and the intention of a media is to create wrong stories without any respect for people's dignity, without any consideration of consequences. What's happening in a moment, people receive smear campaigns, there's a cancel culture, rumors become facts. Um, the media is on a very low level and certain, certain uh, applications, so I don't want to called names, but especially here where we are in Western Australia, um, there is a lot of going on that shouldn't happen, just in the name of sensation. Right, of course. That's where I have difficulties. When uh, lies are being published and anybody can say anything uh, and they call themselves journalists. I feel like anybody in uh, the spotlight can relate to that. Has that ever impacted your personal life and the, the relationships in it? Uh, it definitely would impact me personally, as it did. Um, but luckily, I have a, 
a lot of support and much more support than than the other way. So at the end of the day, again, you have to do your maths on what you do and why. And when it stands up and you believe in your own purpose of doing things, you just have to, again, shake it off. <laughs> Absolutely. So the main goal of the work you do is to raise awareness. Is that correct? Correct. So talk me through some of the projects you've worked on. So there, there are several projects. So I create awareness um, about men's mental health and fight against depression and suicide prevention. And consequently, in 2008, I have launched the inaugural Men in Black Ball, annual ball, uh, with the mission to remove the stigma attached to the word suicide. Um, this ball, this movement, and many black ball movement that basically uh, concentrates on sharing stories of men that became testimonial speakers over years. And they are incredible uh, journeys of men of, from all walks of lives and, and backgrounds and ages, from you know Afghanistan soldiers to politicians to sporting champions to media people to FIFOs, to showbiz, and the list goes on. That they come, they stand there, and they share their journey, how they were going to basically one day end their life, and how they turn it around, and why they're here tonight, the day of, a, of the event, and why they're sharing their journey to help others to turn it around. So this is the Men in Black Ball. I also launched the Kiss Violence Against Women Goodbye, so the, the awareness campaign in support of prevention of domestic violence. And I also create awareness about Pink Ribbon Ball in support of breast cancer awareness. So that will be the three major awareness campaigns that I'm doing since I arrived in, in WA. They're all such noble campaigns. Uh, you also have a show on Foxtel, Hello Darling, where you basically share true stories from people all over the world who have rebuilt their lives, made a difference, and want to encourage others to do the same. Uh, are there any stories in particular that stand out to you? Wow, you know, each story is individual journey of some amazing person that has done miracles. Um, it's very hard to just choose one, but again, I almost cannot not say that the one that touches hearts of most people, not only in Australia, but all over the world, is the story of Dana Vullen. Dana Vullen, the, you know, burn survivor, I will never say victim, yeah. whose strengths and reinvention and love for life and power of going forward is just incredible. I have now three episodes with Dana, and I actually know that very soon I will be asking her for episode number four because she's continuing her reinvention. And the first time I met Dana, where she spoke at my International Women's Day in support of the Kiss Violence Against Men Goodbye campaign, that she, of course, became an ambassador, uh, when we were preparing for the for the day, over weeks talking to each other, she had she was wearing the full body bandage. She could only uh, drink through the straw. And um, when I asked her in 
part two of the interview, what was one of the highlights of her life lately, she says, when I could go to a bathroom and wipe my own bum, and when I could hold wow. my cup of coffee without a straw. Wow. Yeah. Her story, I mean, it's it's both shocking but inspiring at the same time. I mean, obviously, it's one of those unique stories in the sense that it's my understanding she had a female stalker who um, falsely accused her of uh, cheating on her husband um, and basically one night broke into her house with a friend and then poured, what was it? It was acid on her entire body. Is that correct? Well, she just burned her alive. She poured, She was covered in, in petrol and set alive. Right. Wow. She received 65% burns of her body. Wow. Her chance of survival just to be alive was um, very, very small. She is currently still the biggest miracle recovery of a burn survivor in the world. But it's not just the, you know, it's not just her physical recovery, it's her mental journey, it's her continuing reinventing herself. She now completed a degree in cosmetic surgery because she's going to help people that became victims as well. Uh, and the journey goes on. I'm just inviting everybody who is listening to us today to watch the story of Dana Devulen on Hello Danik because this is inspiration that it doesn't get higher. This is something when you think you've got a problem, you look at Dana before and after, you know there is no problem that you ever, ever, ever really had. Yeah, so true. And what I love about her is like she's so beautiful inside and out and just such a soldier. Like she's so focused on turning this situation into such a positive thing for the community. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to your interviews with her. So what inspired you to dedicate your career to creating positive change in your community? You know, Nicole, if, I'm, if I have to answer this question, I think it actually probably was, is my life purpose that I discovered when I arrived in Western Australia. Western Australia is an incredible, uh, for me, um, make of, of inspiration. And when I arrived here in early, well, in 2001, especially Perth, was very, very quiet. There was no networking. Uh, there were no people going out and having a drink after work. There were no networking events. And obviously me coming from all over places in the world where I lived, Paris, Munich, Warsaw, Johannesburg, Hamburg, Vienna, where it's Europe, it was, it's, it's alive. It was feeling so quiet. And I had this idea, I had this inspiration to create events where people come and network and basically, you know, meet other people. And every time they do, they hear some inspirational story. And every time we do it, we give back with percentage of tickets sold at the events because my concern about our world is that we live in such an unbalanced society where the wealth is overwhelming on one end and the starvation on another. There is no justice, there is no balance. And if we all make small contribution, the small contribution make a big difference. And that's how 
the walk of making difference started in 2002. I love that. And it's so true. So obviously, you've worked with a lot of women over the course of your career. You've interviewed a lot of them. What do you think are some of the main issues that young women are dealing with in current society? Oh, Nicole, I think this is so complex. And again, where do we start? I think that there are so many issues, issues that evolve each day and each year becoming new ones. From what I can say from my perspective, I think that young generation needs to acknowledge one fact, that the social media is not real. That the way the beautiful girls look on Instagram, they don't look like this when they wake up in the morning. That things, you know, being manufactured and portraying something we one day can look like or after hours, but that's not who we are. Second thing, I need women to understand, I wish that women we understand, that to wish to look or to be somebody else, if we all start looking the same, it all, nothing will work because the whole point of being different is to have your differences, not to try to be somebody else. And again, we all have mentors, we all have icons, we all always looked at somebody and think, oh, she, he is great. But it should be inspiration to bring the best out in you, but not inspiration to become someone that loses your own personality, stroke, looks. We all cannot look like Kardashians. What worked for her won't work for some other girls. It's so true. I mean, you see it everywhere, right? Like, it's like everybody has the same surgeon these days. They all look alike. They all want the, like, you know, it's all about more, like bigger lips, bigger boobs, bigger butt. It's just, it's gone viral. And it's it's so sad because like you said, with Instagram and social media, it's all just filters. It's it's not an accurate depiction of how people like women actually look behind the camera. Correct. And if you think what makes people connect, what makes people fall in love, what creates a spark, again, connection, is that something that we have another person or attracts other person. And that's not the lashes and that's not the big lips. Uh, it's something that you carry inside and that you project and that your connection is relatable to other people that actually makes them feel confident with you, not threatened by you. It's so true. And also, like, I just feel like authenticity is what connects us, you know, and we moved away from that with the the rise of social media. It was all about trying to, like, put our best foot forward as opposed to being real. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, well, being authentic is beginning of everything because even if you're a best pretender, you are still pretender. So true. And, you know, a good actor will never deliver good part, a good performance, if he, she is acting the part. Only when he, she is living the part. So, but this is the acting. Now we are in a real world. So we have to learn how to be ourselves and confident with what we, who we are, instead of chasing unrealistic dream or trying to be somebody else. There's a brilliant French saying, which means I feel all right in my skin. And that's what's lacking at the moment. I'm talking the young generation. 
very young generation. It's so true. Like they're just being taught to compare as opposed to really embrace their individuality because all they're doing is looking online and seeing how other people live their lives, what material possessions they have, what they're doing on the weekend. And so they think that they should be doing the same thing. It's I don't know how we sort of like navigate that situation or try to improve it, but what do you think are some of the sort of stigmas uh, that modern women are having to deal with as well? Well, I think the stigmas are partly very self-created because uh, I think that women feel pressure that they should have it all. And I believe we do, we can have it all, but the all is very subjective because there is no one size fits all. You, you cannot translate one a norm, a rule for everybody. We are all different. I'm coming back to the difference. So the stigma, oh, there are so many stigmas. If we go into the field of domestic violence, violence against women, why is it so, so, so prominent in Australia and all over the world? Because most of the women don't have the courage, they feel guilty instead of knowing that the one who did it is the one that is guilty. So they they kept it for a very long time a secret. Obviously, with Me Too campaign now, things have changed and changing. Um, There are many stigmas. There are stigmas that a beautiful woman maybe is not bright enough. There are stigmas that we should accept situation that a, a male world gets higher paid for the same work. And the list goes on. So I think that um, in order to get rid of the stigmas, you have to find out who you are, believe in it, and walk your own talk. It's so true. I, I was reflecting on what you were saying before about women who experience violence, and it's, it's, it's so true. Like, they don't speak out because of the shame surrounding it. Uh, but the reality is the more women who speak out, the less shame there will be. So it's, we definitely, I agree with you, women play a part in the stigmas that we are currently dealing with in our society. But yeah, they're endless. So it's definitely, it's a huge project to try to reverse them, I suppose. So you've mentioned you're very passionate about putting an end to violence against women. You've mentioned Dana Vulin, uh, who is the renowned Australian burn survivor, Talk to me about the Kiss Violence Against Women campaign. So what inspired you to start this campaign? Was it something personal in your life? It was quite quite incredible story. Um, I, in 2012, I, in 2013, Charlotte Dawson, um, I invited Charlotte Dawson to be testimonial speaker at my event, which was... International Women's Day that I was hosting in in, in Perth, in Crown Towers. Um, basically, I started the movement with International Women's Day in 2003. Nobody did it here. Nobody celebrated International Women's Day with big events. Now, everything obviously is very different. And when I met Charlotte Dawson in person, she flew to Perth. I went to meet her in a Duxton Hotel where there was a two-hour interview arranged by one of the major newspapers here that became uh, affiliated with the campaign, with the event in Charlotte. 
And Charlotte said, I remember my first, first impression, I think, how beautiful she is, but not only physically, there was an aura around Charlotte. And I believe that I just came to make the introduction between the journalist and Charlotte, and I was going to, you know, um, remove myself. Charlotte said to me, Barbara, absolutely, please stay for the interview. And that was the turning point. It was two words, two hours, uh, 2,000 words, two-hour interview, I remember. And I was hearing her story where she was sharing the journey when she was bullied on Twitter, where she tried to commit suicide, and then her life journey and her... And I remember coming back and thinking, how can women be so strong and yet so vulnerable? How could social media campaign drive somebody like Charlotte to end her life where she has such a intelligence, such an inner strength when she shares her other part of a journey. I actually couldn't recover from the extremes of how it can happen. I hated social media for that moment. And I remember also saying goodbye to Charlotte and her looking at me with such a pain in her eyes. And I thought I will always remember her eyes. I don't know why. We became friends. She spoke at my event. She was obviously incredible. I remember her calling me one day. And she unfortunately, a few couple of weeks later, she took her life. It was Charlotte who inspired me to kiss, to create Kiss Violence Against Men Goodbye campaign. Because I realized that regardless how strong you are, and how strong you could have been over years, they can break you. They can break you. So we can actually, to talk about it on media, to talk about it on my show, I had another guest, which, was, which is a very famous blogger. And she also was almost driven to the, to the edge of suicide because of the social media bullying. That's why we need to share these stories, because on the other hand, when these strong women recovered from it and were able to stay alive, for those who are watching, the message is, if such a strong person could become that vulnerable, but such a strong person as Constance Hall, Dana Woolen, uh, Charlotte Dawson, were able to shake it off, we all can. That's where I'm coming, the extremes. So it's not only how famous these women are because they are personalities, but they become personalities because they're strong, because they're extraordinary, because they did amazing, you know, things. And then they were broken and now they're back. That's why. Absolutely. That Charlotte Dawson uh, story really proved to me the power of these online trolls. I mean, I was equally surprised when I heard that she took her life because she did appear online at at least like to be such a strong, independent woman. And yeah, it just really showed that, you know, everyone has their limits. That's right. That's right. I, I, I always remember her voice. Yeah, I've always remembered her energy, which was incredible. And unfortunately, she lost the battle. Yeah. So what sort of change have you seen since the campaign started? It's the conversation. Nicole, is the conversation, is the, the openness about talking about topics. Um, I lately launched on my Hello Darling uh, show 
a segment called Stories from Under a Blanket. So they are interviews. Oh, I love that. Mm, thank you. And we bring stories from under the blanket that people kept under the blanket. So violence against women was under the blanket those days. Now the power of conversation is magic because the message for women, people, girls, boys, that they're not alone in their struggle can change everybody's lives. Because the worst, when people lose the battle, is because they go into dark space, because they feel they are alone, because they actually ashamed of their struggle. So they find resolution, and the resolution is to end their lives. It's the irony of the world that we live in, because mm. never before have we been so connected, yet also never before have people felt so alone, and depression rates are so high, particularly in Australia, amongst women. Correct. So what do you think it's going to take to eradicate violence against women in our community? I mean, is it just more conversations, like you mentioned? Nicole, I, I really believe that the education it's in schools has to start as early as possible, because Prevention is the key to everything. And I think to, to, to educate young generation about self-belief, self-esteem, about being resilient, resilience, resilience against judgmental uh, actions, to show that we actually are able to create our own values and be aware of them and and fight people that use, you know, smear campaigns and, and bullying as part of their own inadequate feelings, that's where it has to start. To tell the little young girls that if they feel that something is not right, uh, they have been touched or spoken wrong way, they have to report it. They don't hide it. They go and tell someone they trust. Because the ripple effect of uh, childhood abuse is, is enormous. And it can carry sometimes for generations. And it's just uh, shocking. You know, people open themselves up before my interviews. My guests are incredible people and very often I hear stories and such a huge percentage of it is ripple effect of a past which was hidden under the blanket. It's so true. So we spoke about things like, you know, abuse and the stigmas surrounding what it means to be a woman. Are these the sorts of issues that you think are predominantly affecting the health of female youth at the moment? Everything is the peer pressure also of um, this definitely, but also the pressure that is being created on, on women because they think that they have to be everything and that they have to do everything 100%. Perfection doesn't exist. Perfection is an imaginary condition created via social media and graphics. I'm talking life perfection. Obviously, I'm not talking maths. Hmm? Yeah. So, <laughs> if we aim for perfection, we will be never ever satisfied and we will be always chasing something that we can't reach. And it's crippling. Like I'm so somebody that always aims for perfection, but if that's your aim, you're never going to 
get anything done because it's never going to be good enough or you're never going to feel fulfilled in your life. So it's something that I personally work on daily. Uh, I've read you say that you've lost a lot of people in your life to suicide and obviously Charlotte Dawson is an example of that. Why do you think women are dying to suicide? Is it because of these issues? Women are dying to suicide for a million reasons because they didn't have the chance to find the right help in the right time. I mean, this is very generic, generic statement. But I really believe that in many cases, if they would open up and go and seek help and realize that there is always a way out, there is never ever situation that cannot be resolved one way or another. And as soon as you share your problem with somebody, the problem is then half because there's somebody else already who is your bouncing board, who is also trying to find resolution for your problem. And I also think that the more they see women and watch stories of trauma and recovery, the bigger chance they have to go out and, and find help. I read that six people per day in Australia die from suicide and at least 50 people a day try to take their lives as well. It's insane to think about. It's shocking. It really is. What do you think we can do as a community to reduce these rates? Is it just being more open-minded and supportive of the people around us? I think we have to continue with awareness campaigns. Of course, we have to... We have to, you see, there's another thing that is such a huge problem. People that commit crimes because they're insane, they end up in jail and they don't receive help, they receive punishment. We have to fix men and their mental health being in order to eradicate at least some of the violence against women. Because a sane man won't kill his partner, won't rape a stranger, this is a scream for help, and it, this is not justifying. But obviously, very unbalanced men commit violence against women. So we need to fix men to help women. We have to stop competing with each other. We have to start helping each other. Yeah. It goes back to the prevention, right? Like education, it all starts there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the school's curriculum, should, you know, the program should be they, they're not adequate for today's times because it's so changed. I remember living in South Africa and, and many, many, many years ago watching a play that was put on one of the theatres for the three, five years old. Uh, and there were bears on the stage and the one bear was singing to another, I give you pot of honey if I can touch your boom, boom, boom. And that was a way of creating awareness play to the children about the danger that is out there. And I remember I had my kids and kids' friends in an interval and I was buying them ice cream. And I was saying, so guys, now, do you understand what the play was about? Yes, they did, because all they wanted was the ice cream. So I go, Drahim, tell me something. If someone comes and wants to touch your private parts, what would you do? And he says, I don't have private parts. Okay, but they did this kind of question in a room and kids were screaming, saying, I call my grandma, I call my grandpa, I go to police, I call fire engine if someone tries to touch you inappropriate. These kids were five, six years old. 
And wow. that's wonderful. That's what we need. We need to call it by name from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, create a dialogue about the very real issues that, you know, is going on in the world. That's right. Absolutely. So if it's a female or if it's a male, they will understand when something wrong is being done to them. It's not them who should be ashamed of. It's the perpetrator that is the one that is guilty. So you're obviously incredibly glamorous and you've had this very glamorous backstory being an international actress. Has finding love come easy to you over the course of your career? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was always loved and I obviously was very, I'm very fortunate. I have a very, very long-standing marriage and I have a very happy marriage and I was able to find a soulmate. So yes, I'm very lucky. Of course, I had a journeys of having, you know, heartbreak or breaking hearts. Were men intimidated by your success over the course of your career? You know what? I didn't even see those men that were intimidated by me. I only saw those that stood up by me and and were attracted to it. But of course they were. And I think, I think that men are losing self-esteem more now than they had in my days when I was very young, because women are also making very often young women wrong statement by being independent, which I always was anyway. But I very hear, you know, very often hear young women saying, I don't need a man in my life. I go, well, what do you mean? I can pay my own rent. I go, but that's not why you need a man in your life. Don't you need, I mean, you need a man to have a partner, you know, to love you, to hold your hand, to, you see what I mean? So being independent, yeah, you cannot take, we cannot, girls, don't become more masculine to make, because then the men become more feminine. Let's just stand for who we are. And of course, my full, full encouragement goes to anybody, whoever they feel they are. I have most beautiful transgender story on, on my show. And I became friend with, uh, when he becomes she, when he was still he, now he is she. And I love both. I love him as he and I love him as she. So what I'm saying, we all should embrace who we are. We know the world is very open about now. But honestly, so it comes the same to the relationships. So you've mentioned your kids. You've obviously raised a family while having this very successful career. What was that like to juggle? You know what, Nicole, you juggle again, you juggle if you think something has to give yes and no, because I would be horrible mom that is not working, doesn't have, um, you know, drive to do things. I would be a horrible mom home, but I'm a beautiful mom, I hope so, when I came back <laughs> home and had my day of fulfillment and, and great work. So I was very lucky also because we, when we, my kids were growing up, we were living in South Africa, which has a lot of, which had domestic help and, and you know, so juggling for a woman is much easier than, than um, when you don't have a help. But I, it didn't affect me too much. And I think that women just have to accept the fact, yes, it will be hard, but what's harder? to sit home and be not fulfilled. I mean, a lot of us work because a lot of women work because they have to make income as well. Um, so that's the life we live in. 
Yeah. We've spoken about guilt, though. Did you ever feel guilt for not being there? Oh, of course. You know when I felt most guilty? I felt guilty when I wasn't happy having it all in conventional terms. And that was, strangely enough, the temporary time when I had young kids and I didn't work and I was dying to work. I didn't have to work then for any income I, because we had a glamorous, beautiful life in South Africa, but I felt guilty of being unfulfilled. And I felt guilty that I didn't feel happy. And then I found my projects and then I found my work and then the guilt went. But Mother Guilt, they are book, Mother's Guilt, there are books written about it. And um, Absolutely. Mm, so motherhood comes with guilt. But you know what? Shake it off. Shake your guilt <laughs> yeah. off. Because the kids, you know, will become self-independent humans and they will never have any guilt of walking away. That's what life is about. Yeah. And it's also about setting the sort of example that you want to set, you know, if you're fulfilled because of the work that you do and what you give back to your community, that's going to influence your children and they're, you know, they're going to learn from that. But I suppose it goes back to our discussion earlier about having it all and everybody's definition of what that looks like is completely different. So for you personally, you felt fulfilled when you were working and also had a family, but for somebody else that that might not be the case. Correct. And therefore, having it all, what's all? And all is what we find ourselves as the happiest situation we can be in or find ourselves in. And I also think that, again, I already said it at the beginning, there is no one size fits all. We are all different. Some of us are meant to be mothers and I believe some women are not meant to be mothers. Therefore, they shouldn't feel guilty because we, we create our own journey. We create our own energy when we wake up in the morning, regardless where we live. We make, I don't know how many, but apparently, I don't know, 180,000 decisions every day and thoughts go through our mind. When we wake up, we decide, do we go straight, left or right? And it's whom we meet on our journey very often decides where our journey goes. But on that note, did you always know that you wanted children? Oh, no, not long for long. Honestly, until I met my husband, I didn't even see children. <laughs> uh, I mean, I saw them. They were wonderful. No, I was so busy with my career and I was so but genuinely busy with it and traveling and changing countries and, and, and learning languages. And, and, oh my gosh, I was busy. Uh, children, great, no. How do you spell it? But then <laughs> when, <laughs> when I have fallen in love and when I found the right man, I have fallen in love a few times before, but when I found the right partner, it was like fait accompli, which means it, it was an obvious thing to do or to have. Yeah. We both wanted it. So, you see, that's my point also. Sometimes, you know, the famous um, movie line that she says, oh, I planned my wedding since I was 12. You know, I only asked you for your hand two minutes ago. How do you know how the wedding is going to look? <laughs> oh, I planned my wedding since I was 12. No, it doesn't work this way. Don't, don't live by rules. Don't think that certain things have to happen certain time. 
Everything is, you know, the only constant is constant change in life. Everything is changing and evolving all the time. Absolutely. So, and we all meet, meet people for a reason and we end up in places for a reason. So does having it all, did that change for you over the years? Like what that looked like for you? I never think about it. If I have it all, if I had it all, if it's changed for me, uh, yes and no. I can see the point of view of young women that I, you know, building their lives. Um, yes and no, Nicola. Obviously, it's it's a grey area. I can't say yes and I can't say no. Because you change and you look at things and, you know, the world is changed so much. Look what happened to the world in the last two years. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Was there sacrifice, though, for you? For instance, when you had children, were you then like, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice an aspect of my career because I've gone in this direction with my family? Very short time. For very short time. I made the first movie. Okay, I, I actually was acting in a movie when I was six months pregnant. And I didn't tell the casting director that I was. Wow. And then I did a, <laughs> yes. And then I did the next movie already when my baby was um, a year old. So, no. I was fortunate. I could fit it in and I could juggle it. And I had help and support to be able to, to do right. it. So as a female, what has been some of the biggest hurdles then that you've had to overcome in your career? It's basically, if I would have to really put my answer to it, is my latest times here, is to be subject of a smear campaigns on the media, is untruthful stories that have been written uh, without any respect and dignity, lies, um, and the fact that the local media here has, is monopoly now, so they feel that they can say and do whatever they want. And I won't go more into it. I don't want to call names for obvious yeah. reasons because we have a happy podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> About empowerment. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So do you think pressures for women have improved over the course of your career then? Well, Nicole, I think it all depends what background we're talking about. If we talk now corporate world, I just produced an episode which hasn't been launched yet and it will be, I actually can't wait to make it live. And it's about women bullying women. It's about beach fight. Wow. Something, another story from under the blanket, something we don't talk about because this, the obvious, obvious stigma is that men bully women and here we go. Uh, I won't give more away because once the episode is live, I would love you to watch. And, and I very much look forward to that one because I feel like all women can relate to that. I feel like women are often in situations where they're being bullied by other women. So that's very relevant to any woman. Yeah. So you know what? I think that the pressure is actually higher now, not smaller. Interesting. Because if I, because if I think of the generations of, um, you know, moms at home and housewives, I'm not saying they were happy or they were fulfilled, but they weren't exposed and to what is available now. Because the pressure now can come from trots, as we spoke about. The inadequate structure of social media uh, platforms 
allows people to become somebody else, hide under stalkers names. They can hurt somebody, they can drive them to suicide. No, the pressures are not smaller. The pressures are actually higher. That's my opinion. I think that women have to be so much stronger now because they have, they have so much more to shake off. There is so much more to achieve, but there is also so much more that we can be damaged with. So true. So your career is based on encouraging people to make positive change in their life. What sort of change do you hope to see for the next generation of women? Oh, Nicole, I hope that the gender equality will be think of a past. I hope that the campaign like Me Too will be called Me Too What's New. Mm. I hope that <laughs> I hope the tall poppy syndrome will be eradicated that I created. That's one of my charitable campaigns. I saw campaigns. that. I love that. Thank yeah. you. And then I became uh, one of them myself. I hope that envy and jealousy and hate will be eradicated from the world. I hope that we will be all knowing who we are without trying to be somebody else. And I hope that cosmetic surgeons will continue their great work in helping people to look better, to reverse the maybe clock or to fix damages, but not to make all of women look the same. And I also hope that the, that the balance of wealth and poverty in the world will somewhere meet in the middle. I very much look forward to a world like that, <laughs> honestly. Yes. I want all of those things as well. So this podcast is about creating the manual for the modern woman. What is one piece of advice you wish you knew starting out? If it has to be just one, without sounding cheesy and cliche, because there's so much being said, Honestly, trust your gut feeling. We all have intuition. We all have gut feeling. Trust it because it will take you only right places or help you to prevent to be in the wrong places. Believe in your ideas. Remember something that the biggest inventions in the world, everything that happened in the world started with one idea of one somebody one day. So if you have an idea, if it's a business venture, if it's invention, if it's something to change in your own life, don't think, oh, it's not possible. We live in the world where anything is possible, like never before. Walk your talk. Don't be afraid to run before you crawl. I did it all my <laughs> life. And it worked out for you. <laughs> Sometimes. Paralysis <laughs> of analysis. Don't overanalyze things. You know, it's, there's a term, one of my, also one of my guests on the show said, paralysis of analysis. Yeah. It keeps coming back to me. I'm an expert at that, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So here we go. Just trust your, be spontaneous. Trust that when you believe in something and if you find purpose, the energy will come because everything is based on energy. You know, absolutely. Again, it's the energy we create when we get up in the morning. And we're responsible for it. We are the creators, nobody else. And there is never, ever too late to make a change. Age is just a number. And don't think, oh, it's too late for me to do this. Not true. There is no rules. Rules are only created by us. It's so true. 
Honestly, Barbara, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Single at 30 podcast. I can't wait to see what projects you do next. Thank you so much for your time. Nicole, thank you so much for inviting me. And I really hope that some of the messages and some of the topics we spoke about today will encourage some women to be stronger and to be more self-confident. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nicole. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this Single at 30 episode, How to Shake It Off and Forge Your Own Unique Path in Life with the insightful Barbara McNaught. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and hit follow and subscribe. I've included a link to Barbara's Hello Darling website in the show notes where you can view each of her interviews with inspiring people from all walks of life. If you have a question that you want answered or even an episode idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30 or join the Single at 30 closed Facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women, we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. As always, no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask. This is Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together.